The Ewan Grant Podcast, the Limestone Coast Triple M. G'day, it's Ewan. Welcome to the Ewan Grant Podcast and welcome to everyone joining me on the Listener app. Limestone Coast, there's lots going on around the region as we speak. There's been some relaxing of COVID rules in our healthcare system at the moment, even as we're being told or warned of more COVID cases across the state of South Australia and, of course, across the country as a whole. We're going to find out all about it. Elaine Pretorius from the Mount Gambier Hospital is going to join me for a chat soon. Council elections coming up in November as we get set to go to the polls once again. Sarah Philpot, the CEO of the Mount Gambier City Council, is going to join me for a chat. And talking council news at the moment, council are looking for your recommendations about what you would like to see happen with the Valley Lakes Precinct. Tim Coote is going to join me from council to talk about that too. Let's get things underway talking COVID. You guys know that I am basically a frequent flyer at the Mount Gambier Hospital at the moment. And there's been some changes in regards to COVID rules at the Mount Gambier Hospital. And I'm presuming across the Limestone Coast as well. Elaine Pretorius is the lady that we catch up with to talk all about COVID here in the Limestone Coast. She knows more than most about what is going on. Elaine Pretorius, good morning. Good morning. Elaine there are COVID numbers that are rising across the state of South Australia and across the, the, the country at the moment. Um, we need to remain vigilant in the fight to stop COVID-19. Absolutely, Ewan. Um, COVID is by no means over. Um, this weekend, we saw so many admissions into all of our hospitals um, with covid really concerned. Um, People are pretty unwell. It looks as if the Omicron um, BA4-5 version, which is the dominant version we're seeing at the moment, is actually making people a little bit sicker than the other versions have. We've seen a lot of pneumonia and a lot of um, elderly people very, very unwell. So absolutely have to remain vigilant. I said last week, if I were king of the world, I would be bringing mask mandates back. Mm. Um, um, Our hospitals are buckling. People have seen, um, you know, the footage from Adelaide, but I can tell people that Mount Gambier Hospital, which is our primary COVID admission hospital, is also very much feeling the brunt at the moment. So if I can encourage people to have their fourth dose Um, to continue to be vigilant around not coming to work or to hospital to visit if you're unwell and definitely um, uh, wearing a mask in places that are um, highly... It's got a high density of people at the moment. Absolutely. Elaine, I must admit, I, I have a lot of people that are giving me weird looks at the moment because I'm wearing a mask whenever I'm out in public. Um, and that is to protect my mum at the moment. And uh, and people need to realise that, you know, uh, there are reasons to, to wear masks and to protect yourself. Well, and, and I think that's such an excellent message, Ewan, is that wearing a mask is not just about oneself. Wearing a mask is also to protect those vulnerable members of community and, um, you know, this weekend I saw people with cancer being admitted. I saw people on dialysis being admitted mm. and lots of elderly people. So um, this is not over. And I'm really worried at the, at the sort of narrative around we now need to start living with it. Mm. It is bringing our hospitals and our healthcare workers to their knees. Um, and if people can just make a small contribution, that would be marvellous. 
Now, Elaine, for people that have been to the hospital over the last couple of weeks, they will have noticed some changes. The uh, the tent that was used to, uh, to I suppose, triage uh, emergency patients has been closed down. The uh, the front office of the, the hospital where people were checking in has, uh, has changed. Um, take us through the changes that have taken place across the region. Yeah, so... Um, this this has been replicated across the region. So we've um, removed external triage. So that's um, the marquee or in Millicent, there was a little tent outside. Mm. Um, that has all been removed. We are still doing triage. Um, so people are still being tested before they come into proper ED. Um, but that is now happening in a sec- separate section of the emergency department. We've also um, extended our visiting hours. And we're not doing the screening questionnaire at the front desk anymore. We are still asking people to sanitize and still asking people to wear their masks. Um, I have to tell you, Ewan, that we tried to remove the concierge completely and people just ran into the hospital as if nothing was happening anymore. Mm. Um, So we unfortunately had to bring back the concierge. Um, But the visiting hours have been extended. Um, And... We have opened some of the side entrances of the hospital for staff again. So those are the changes that we've made. Um, We probably won't be making any further changes for a little while, just given the numbers and just the steep increase we've seen over the weekend. Modelling says that the peak has not even occurred yet, which makes me feel a little bit um, worried and exhausted as I understand, the peak is probably still about three weeks away. Elaine, I am seeing firsthand the the sheer amount of work your staff are doing uh, at the hospital. They are probably very overworked. They are probably very short-staffed. Um, how are they coping with what's going on at the moment? Um, our staff are fantastic, you and I've never seen people work so hard. And, you know, uh, the metro hospitals have a bit of fat in the system. We don't. Mm. So when we're down staff um, because of illness, um, we we can't replace them that easily. And as a result, people are working lots of double shifts, lots of long shifts. Um, you know, we have doctors who are working in areas that they haven't before. Mm. So everybody has been absolutely marvellous. But I have to say, it does make us feel a little bit... Um, you know, demoralised when when people are giving us a hard time, when people aren't doing the right thing or perhaps not taking COVID as seriously, um, it is having an incredible impact. I have not seen, I've been in healthcare for a very long time, I've not seen the system like this um, and I am worried that it's still going to have to go for a little while. So our staff are valiant but um, an important resource that we should be protecting. Absolutely. And a big shout out once again to the health staff. I know I, know I have been an overprotective son over the last couple of weeks, so uh, <laughs> possibly a lot of people may not like me at the moment, but um, they do an incredible job. They really do. Hey, Elaine, thank you so much for uh, talking to us this morning. Um, let's catch up again soon. You take care, all right? Thanks, you, and thank you very much. Now, Lobster Coasters, as we swap topics and talk all about the Valley Lakes, Tim Coote is the General Manager of City and Community Growth with the Mount Gambier City Council. He joins me on the line to talk all about the Crater Lakes. Tim, good morning. Good morning. How are you going? Yeah, good. Now, Tim, Crater Lakes consultation. Why is there a consultation on the Crater Lakes? Oh, well, we're keen to 
hear what people think about um, this much-loved part of, of Mount Gambier. So when it comes to a consultation, uh, what are the sort of things that you are hoping to, to I suppose, get from the community? Um, so... <laughs> Look, we're not we're not trying to preempt what people are going to say, but what we are keen to know is what um, people want to keep about the the Crater Lakes as a precinct. Mm-hmm. Um, also, what they think it might be good to to add to the to the precinct, and um, what you know what sort of things that would be. What what would that entail um, if we're looking at investing um, as a community into um, into the Crater Lakes? What what kind of things would people want there and what kind of things would they not want there without us trying to um, uh, preempt or or guide the conversation, let people come at it um, based on conversations that they may already be having or have been having over a number of years and uh, keen to, to get their, their input into council. Tim, you may not be interested in, in making a suggestion, but believe me, I am. Um, <laughs> uh, you're talking about, you know, uh, finding out whether people want to put a zip line into the Valley Lakes for sake of argument, whether they'd like to see a coffee shop down in the Crater Lakes area, whether we'd like to see a coffee shop that actually opens up and views over the, uh, the Blue Lake instead of what we've got there at the moment with a closed building. We're looking at anything that anybody's ever thought about in the last 50 years that they want to see the Valley Lakes turned into to make it a great a, a, a tourism uh, adventure, I suppose. Yeah, well, that's definitely been part of um, some of the input that's um, been coming in, um, and I can tell you, in the in the time that the consultation's been open, um, we have um, had an incredible amount of input, which has been fantastic. So, once once we collate all of that, and I think. Um, I'm not telling any secrets. I think at the moment we've probably had more than a hundred different pieces of input going into in via the have your say in the various different forms or in the in the consultations that we've been doing, mm. which has been which has been you know unbelievable. One thing that certainly one thing that Mount Gambia does do is the community is is not afraid to say what they think. So all of the things that you suggested um, have been put up, but at the same time there's also been um, different activities that happen there now from people walking, hiking, riding bikes, playing disc golf, um, activities on the water, but also people who are interested in um, the native vegetation and the significant sites um, that, that are there, the, the history of the place. Um, these, these are all themes that have been coming up through the consultation process. So there's been a range of, of different perspectives. One, one thing that is always pleasing is that it's as representational as possible. So we're obviously um, really pleased with the volume of of activity, but it also shows, and I think that the I think the recent fire um, also shows the level of attachment that people have to the area and the passion that they have for the area. I think Without there was a, a, a great level of of genuine sadness when when there was the fire up there. So that's also being reflected through, you know, that same level of passion coming in as input for us. Tim, for anybody who's got an idea about what they'd like to see in the Valley Lakes precinct, how can they have their say? Well, there's a have your say on our website. Um, if you click on it, you'll get onto the page and then you'll have our Crater Lakes as being the first uh, little tab up there. And there's a different there's a number of different ways. You can do the survey or there is a, um, a drop your pin on a digital map um, and you can leave a comment on specific bits if you think that something should happen in one particular part. 
drop a pin, leave a comment. Um, and we've also been proposing some um, drop-in consultation sessions. Um, we had one on the 3rd of July. Um, well, stay tuned if we're, if we're going to be able to do any more. We're going to try and aim to wrap up consultation uh, for August sometime. So if people want to... Uh, get on to have your say that's the best way to to go about it what a fantastic opportunity and it's your chance to have your say on the valley lake precinct right now now elections for councils are coming up 2022 it's been the year of elections we've had a state election we've had a federal election and we go to the polls again before the end of the year for a council election the lady who knows all about it probably not by choice sarah philpott she's the ceo of the mount gabby city council sarah hello Hello, how are you? Yeah, good, Sarah. We get to uh, to let our voices be heard once again. Uh, council elections are coming up and we need to make sure that we're enrolled to vote. Yes, that's right. So you're, you're quite right. We do have elections um, in November this year for local government uh, and those elections are held every four years. So that's a chance for people in our community to have a say about who they want to represent them for the next four years and in order to make sure that you can have a say you of course need to be enrolled to vote. So um, there's a couple of different ways that happens. If you're already on the state electoral roll in the city of Mount Gambier and you can vote in state elections then you're automatically on the roll and able to vote in local government elections. But even if you're not um, on that role, on the electoral role, you may still be able to vote in council elections because they're open to a bigger range of people and that's through something called the supplementary role. So Sarah, tell me about the supplementary role. So that's where each council collects um, names of people who aren't on the general electoral roll and there are some categories where you can be included on the supplementary roll. So that can be residents or um, individuals who aren't on the uh, state electoral roll under certain conditions, business owners. So say you own a business um, in Mount Gambier but you live in the District Council of um, Grant, then you may still be eligible to get onto our supplementary role and vote on behalf of your business. So there are a number of um, different categories of people, including uh, international students and students, people who are 17 at the moment but will be 18 by the time the elections occur but won't have time to get onto the um, the standard electoral roll. They're the kinds of people who can fill in a form which they can find um, on the website which is uh, councilelections.sa.gov.au and that will have all the information about how to get onto the supplementary role. Mm, absolutely. So Sarah, if I want to stand for council or if I want to see if I can you know, knock the mayor off her top spot, um, how do we go about doing that? Uh, so there are nomination forms which are available and nominations open on Tuesday the 23rd of August and they close at 2 o'clock on Tuesday the 6th of September. And so there's a nominations portal which will be provided by the Electoral Commission of South Australia and, um, and but that basically has the information about how to go about nominating. And uh, you've, you're basically filling in a form, you need to be eligible to nominate which means you have to be eligible to vote and uh, and you can get that information again from that website, which I'll um, tell you again is councilelections.sa.gov.au and that's got all the information that you need about how to nominate, uh, becoming a candidate, uh, the type of election materials you'll need to prepare and so on. So um, while 
council elections are not compulsory elections, unlike state and federal, I would just encourage people to get involved. Have a think about whether you want to become a candidate. Certainly make sure you're enrolled to vote because what you're doing with um, local government elections is you're really selecting the people who are going to guide the strategic thinking and the policy work for council on behalf of our community for the next four years. So they're really important um, elections for us because we know that we provide tonnes of services that people love and value um, right across our city and the councillors are absolutely critical in helping us to do that really well and taking good care of the community um, on behalf of council. So get involved and uh, and either stand or um, make sure that you can vote so that you get the you know, really good quality people into council to help us make the city uh, even more amazing. Hey, Sarah, we'll catch up more and talk all about the elections in the lead up to November. Thanks for joining us for a sneak peek, though, this morning. My pleasure. That's it for today's podcast. I'll be back on Friday. For everything Limestone Coast, you can catch up with me live on radio from 6am weekday mornings on the Limestone Coast 963 Triple M.